take your Bibles to the book of Mark. There's so many people out there that would never darken a church door, but they'd let their kid go to Bible school. And they never would come to a church house on a Sunday, but maybe they'd come on a Friday night fun night. What I want to look at tonight is, and we're all in the, in the mood and in the mindset of, of loving and caring for these children, and I just want to look at what the Bible says about that, and why do we invest in children? Why do we have children's ministry? Do we just do it because it's what we're supposed to do and what everybody else is doing? Uh, what's behind that idea of ministering to a child or investing in a child's life. And where I like to go in talking about children is in Mark chapter 10. And starting in verse number 13. Mark chapter 10 verse 13. The Bible says, And they brought young children to him. So, so the question is, why? Some would say, well, they're not old enough to understand, and what's the purpose? And, and this is in the Bible on purpose. Everything that's in the Bible is on purpose. And they brought young children to him. So they're not teenagers, I don't believe. I believe they're young children. That he should touch them. Now, that's a little strange, wouldn't you think? Oh, what could, what could a child get out of Jesus touching them? You know, a lot of people could have argued theologically why that was a waste of time. I mean, just because Jesus touches somebody doesn't mean they're saved. Is that right? I mean, Jesus walked and talked and everything he touched didn't go to heaven. But it was important for somehow, some way, these children to come in contact with Jesus. And so they brought them to Jesus, these young children, that he should touch them. And his disciples, I've been verse 13 still, his disciples, Peter and James and John, his disciples, Thomas and Nathaniel, Philip, his disciples, rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Not a little bit displeased, but much displeased. Not with the people bringing the children, not with the children themselves, not with their behavior, but he was much displeased with his disciples. Not much displeased with the Jews that hated him, not much displeased with the sinful people that were in the community, but much displeased with his own disciples. And said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, <clears throat> excuse me, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, 
put his hands upon them and bless them. Why invest in children? From this text I see, number one, because Jesus is interested in them. The disciples weren't interested in them, but Jesus was interested in them. You could say, well, there's not much spiritual merit for Jesus to touch these children, or, but he still takes them up into his arms. He puts his hands on them. He blesses them because he loves them. You know, God loves children. God loves children. And he wants to bless children. That's what he did right here. He blessed them. I don't even know the ages of all these children. Maybe they're not, they weren't even of the age to understand. But Jesus blessed them. He wanted them because he had, a, he had a heart for them. You know, I, I would say this. I, sometimes uh, I'm more at home around children than I am adults. And it's not because I'm a child. There's just something about children sometimes that even though they're rowdy and sometimes they're out of control, they don't have the drama that some adults have. I like children. It's too bad that they, get, they grow up and they get spoiled by age. <laughs> Jesus loves children. And so if he's interested in them, there is something wrong with me if I'm not interested in them. The second reason I would say we ought to invest in children, by that I mean minister to them, spend money to try to bring them to God, to teach them the Bible. We have all sorts of ministries to try to do that. Love them, care for them, let them know that we are interested in their lives. But the second reason, not just because Jesus is interested in them, because Satan wants to destroy them. Satan hates children. And you know that because he works overtime to take away their innocence and their good conscience and to dirty their life just as early as he possibly can. You know there was a day in America when I grew up that when you were, you know, four, five, six, seven years old, you'd just play in the dirt, amen, if you're a little boy, and you'd, amen, build, you know, forts and all this kind of stuff. You know, we don't live in that kind of society anymore. I know six, seven-year-old girls, they'd play with baby dolls and make baked mud pies and sit in their room and do whatever little girls do because I don't know what they do. (laughs) But you know, we don't live in a world like that anymore. Because the devil hates those young, innocent lives so much that he wants to load them with so much filth and dirt and ruin and sadness and sin in their lives. He's working overtime to destroy children. Not just from the womb, but even, you you know, you you always know the devil because only the devil would want to hurt a child. There's something evil about somebody that want to hurt a child. Evil. I mean evil. 
Pharaoh, you know Pharaoh was of the devil and Satan controlled him because he wanted to kill all those children. You knew Herod was of the devil because Herod wanted to destroy the children. Something satanic about wanting to destroy the children. It seems like our educational system is a tool of Satan himself in America. Trying to teach things to children. They have no business even anybody teaching anything. Why? Because they hate them. They want to ruin them. They want to ruin them at an early age so they're so warped that they, they don't even know how to respond to God because they're so warped. I think Disney's satanic. Because they're trying to destroy the children's morality. And so what I'm saying, if we've got all of these things that are pressing upon children to destroy... I can't even believe you would even say that in America that parents and pediatricians would pay to genetically and medically alter children? That's, that's where we live. Now, what's that child going to do at a child's age when they're giving them all these drugs and hormones to change? And then they become, uh, you know, 20 years old and all of a sudden they found out they've been lied to. Can you imagine the baggage with that? If they do find the truth. And I'm just saying this, knowing how bad and how serious and how much effort this world is putting in to destroy the children. That's a good reason for us to invest in them. There's no sense to complain about it if we're not going to try to invest the other way. So we bring them in on the bus with all their problems and we start telling them the truth. Because we want them to know the truth. We don't want them to live a lie just having seen what's on their phone or on the internet or at school or some book they read. We want them to hear about God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some of these children we're bringing in, if we don't tell them, there's nobody going to tell them. Nobody. If we don't give them the gospel, if we don't tell them about Jesus, if we don't give them some kind of a a reverence and respect for the Bible and let them know what the truth is, they're not going to find it anywhere else. Why invest in children? Because Jesus is interested in them, because Satan hates them, wants to destroy them. He's a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And, you know, <clears throat> you know those lions love to devour the, the young. Yeah. You'd think a big old lion would go after a big old wildebeest. Praise on the sick and the weak. Yeah. Because it's easier to catch. Yeah. And it's tender meat. How wicked. And so there needs to be some effort against that to try to rescue these children. Why invest in children? Because Jesus is interested in them. Because Satan wants to destroy them. Because he hates them. And then thirdly, because Jesus is displeased if we're not interested in them. Look at our text. Verse 13 said, they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Get them out of here. They mess up the upholstery. 
They wear out the carpet. They puke on the floor. They make a mess in the nursery. They're loud. The disciples in their spirituality did not want to be bothered with the children. And Jesus was much displeased. I don't know about you, but I want to please the Lord. And if Jesus is displeased, if I'm not interested in the kids, then I want to get interested in the kids. You know, I know some people in my life. I'm even related to some of them. And they were so, they're so self-centered that, uh, and so selfish in their life, they never wanted any kids. And it was not because uh, they hated kids. It's just that they didn't want their life cramped. In other words, the children were a bother. They were a trouble. I tell you what, it, it's, a, it's a hard day. Would you say it's a pretty hard day to raise children? So you know what people can do? They throw up their hands and say, well, forget the kids. I mean, if we don't have kids, uh, <clears throat> then we have more money for ourselves. We have less problems. We don't have to worry about stuff. Yeah. I mean, my, my house, even though we have another family member moved in with us, my house is a lot quieter than it's been for when the nest empties. Right. So some people say, well, I, I don't even want to. And, and what on the front, there's some people that, that pray and spend all their life desiring a child and can't have it. And then you've got these people that they're so self-centered. Now, whether you have a child or not, that's between you and God. I'm not saying that. Whatever you want to do. There's nothing spiritual about having a child. And there's not anything unspiritual about not having a child. You do whatever God wants you to do. But there is something about being so self-centered that that makes your decisions for you. And you don't want to be bothered with them. Maybe the disciples just didn't want to be bothered with them. Kids make a mess, man. Don't they? They make a mess. And I see these disciples. That's, that's, we, we, don't want to, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want to be bothered with this. Shoo. They're just children. Let them grow up and come to Jesus. Let them get some manners first and then come to Jesus. Let them, let them get their, their lives worked out where they know uh, when to shut up so they don't interrupt everything and then let them come to Jesus. And Jesus was much displeased. Because they were more concerned about being bothered than they were about loving those children. And there's something wrong with us when all we're worried about is what bothers us. I know kids get on your nerves, man. I know churches that quit having bus routes and quit having children's ministry. They just don't want to be bothered with it anymore. I mean, they put holes in the seats. And We, we just like it. I, I would rather have the bother and please Jesus than not have any of the bother and the cushions are all right and the carpet's all clean and everything is, is quiet and in order. And Jesus looked down and said. And by the way, that, that's what motivates a lot of us sometimes about not doing ministry because it cramps our lives. 
We don't want to be involved in a ministry because, hey, it just interrupts what I want to do. I tell you what, you have children, they'll interrupt what you want to do. We have children this week, they've interrupted what we wanted to do. But they're kids. Let them be kids. Teach them. We need to teach them. I tell you what, these kids we're bringing in, I think they're doing great. If I lived in the hell that most of them live, I'd be crazy. I'd have to be medicated to live in some of the homes they're living in. I don't know what kind of children they're bringing to Jesus, but these disciples, all I know is, they don't want to have anything to do with it. I mean, after all, they don't add anything to the offering. It doesn't help us in the community. It doesn't give us any more standing in the community. One of the, one of the most angry times as a pastor when I, when I had that deacon look across that table at me and said, Pastor, you've got to do something. We've got another class of people coming into this church. <clears throat> Boy, that got on me like white on rice. I said, yeah, we got another class of people coming in the church. The kind of class that Jesus died for and that Jesus loves. And the best thing ever happened when he went on down the road and more of the bus kids kept coming in. Amen. Not interested. Jesus was much displeased. Why invest in children? Because Jesus is much displeased if we're not interested. Number four, and I only got five. Look at verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter... Therein, The fourth reason I believe we ought to invest in children is because they have souls to be saved and they can enter the kingdom of God. Amen. I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter 18 with this text. Some people believe that or think that children cannot be saved and that's not true. I'm going to say more about that in just a second. But children can enter the kingdom of God, and Jesus said, suffer them. Let, don't forbid them. If they want to come, let them come. Because some of them will get in before you with all your pride. He said in Matthew chapter 18, watch this now. Watch what Jesus said. Now, he, in verse 2, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted... And become as little children, <coughs> you shall not enter in the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this now. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever receives such child, little child in my name receiveth me. Now watch, watch verse 6. It's very important. Verse 6 is very important. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which... What's the next three words? What, what does it say? Little ones can believe in Jesus. Do you see that? 
this little children can be, well, if they can believe in Jesus, then they can be saved. If they can't, they don't know how to believe in Jesus. If they don't understand what that means, then they can't be saved. But Jesus said that some of these little ones, they believe in me. In me. Their faith is in Jesus. I'd say this, and, and this is why I think we try to have Bible school and give the gospel as many children as we can. It's, for most, it's much easier to believe in Jesus as a child than it is when they're an adult. I know there's a lot of false professions with children. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But that doesn't mean that little children can't believe in Jesus because he said they could. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Boy, that's pretty rough. Look at verse... Uh, <clears throat> well, then he starts talking about hell. Look at verse number 8. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast thee from thee. For it is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maim, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. He starts talking. About, now, he's talking about fire. He's talking about hell in context with these children. Keep reading. Watch this now. This is important. Verse 9. And if thy not offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into where? Into hell fire. Look at the next verse. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. The context is these children. If you don't think I'm right. He t- verse 12. Look at it. Man have a hundred sheep. One of them gone stray. They did not leave the nine nine. Goeth in the mountains and seeketh that which is gone stray. Verse 13. And if so be that he find it. Verily I say unto you. He rejoiceth uh, more of that sheep than of the nine nine. We know this is a story about, about this lost sheep getting saved. Look at verse 14. Even so. Just like the lost sheep. Just like the hellfire, just like these other things. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should what? That means children can go to hell. Now they can't go to hell if they don't understand what sin is. But children can go to hell if they don't believe on the Lord. Let me show you an eight-year-old one. Eight's pretty young, wouldn't you say? Would you say an eight-year-old's a child? Second Chronicles 36. By the way, while you're turning there, don't you think that God on purpose said, withhold not correction from the child? He said, if you'd beat that child, you'd deliver his soul from hell. He said, well, I was talking about when he gets older. How do you know that? A lot of children don't ever get older. I know we don't like to think about that. He said, preacher, what a weird thing to say that a child would go to hell. That's not fair. Hey, I don't want anybody to go to hell. It's always gruesome if anybody goes to hell. But look at this epitaph on this eight-year-old boy. Because this is something we probably don't believe either. 
children can also be evil. Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse number 9. Second Chronicles 36 verse 9. Jehoiachin was how old? That's pretty young, guys. Now, don't go out here saying that I said babies go to hell. I don't believe that. I'm talking about children that are old enough to know between good and evil. They understand sin. They can understand the gospel. Now, why don't I put an age on that? Because I can't put an age on that. Every person's different. I've met some 30-year-olds that have never come to the age of accountability. How'd that go over? There are some people that, it's not a matter of age. It's a matter of understanding. Now, this eight-year-old boy, Jehoiachin was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months and ten days. Well, I guess he was still eight. May have been nine if he was lucky. And he did that, which was what? Evil. In the sight of the Lord. Evil. An eight-year-old boy. I don't know what all he did. But you know all those children that we have here today, had here today, they're sinners. You don't have to be a drunk or a prostitute to be a sinner. Brother Gibson this morning told him, all they did, Adam and Eve, is took a bite of fruit they were told not to take. And they died spiritually. Why do we need to invest in children? Because they have a soul. And we don't want them to perish. We want them to believe in Jesus. And Jesus said, suffer them. That means allow them, let them, permit them. That's what that word means. Suffer them, let them come. Look up every time the word suffer is used in, in that context and you'll find that. Just let them, if they want to come, let them come. Because they have a soul, and if they understand, then let them come to God. You know, Samuel came to God as a child. And Samuel was even ministering to the Lord before he even knew who the Lord was. <laughs> Samuel was in the house of God, ministering to God, and he didn't know who God was. And then as a child, God revealed himself to Samuel. And he responded to that. Timothy was the same way, was he not? Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 50, he said, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. You see? From a child. And what we're trying to get into these children is that understanding of salvation. And if they want to come, we're going to let them come. We're not going to pressure them to come. We're definitely not going to force them to come. But we're going to let them come. And if they come and they don't understand. And I'd encourage all you teachers that are dealing with children this week in your class. Or if one comes forward. We let them come. If they want to pray, you let them pray. Don't you dare tell them they're saved because you don't know their heart. 
How many people have walked out of a vacation Bible school with a false sense of salvation then years later had, had come and, and, and got that thing settled and went through torment about it? Maybe because they were following somebody else, doing what somebody else was doing. But I tell you what, there have been some children that, that we've let them come and they got a dose of the real thing, sir. And I know that because she lives in Texas now, but that, that lady that was cutting my hair over in Madison, and I sat down in the seat and I told her uh, where I passed her, she said, immediately, she said, Sweet Springs Baptist Church? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I used to go to church there when I was a child. My mom and dad never went to church, but they put, picked me up in the van, and they took me to vacation Bible school, and I got saved. She said that while she cut my hair. That's a grown lady giving me her testimony of salvation in this Bible school. 20-something years later, still hadn't got over it. And come down popping her gum and looking around. And When we deal with children, we've got to find out, hey, do, do you know what sin is if they don't? And this is what I do with kids. Say, hey, are you concerned about getting saved or would you rather go back to your seat? And if they say, well, I'd just rather go back to my seat, I say, all right, you go back to your seat. But that child comes and says, you know you're a sinner? Would you like? And I, yeah, well, what's sin? I don't know. <laughs> well, we need to deal with that child some more. We're not going to pressure them to say a prayer that they don't understand. This Bible school is not about standing up and saying we had 25, 35 kids get saved. I don't know who gets saved, but I tell you what, we're, we're going to let them if they want to get saved. And parents, you've got to deal with your children that way. If they want, they want to pray, you let them pray. But then you let them tell you if they're saved. Don't you tell them. You say, what if I do if that just keeps going back and forth and I don't know what? You just keep telling them what God said. Just keep quoting the scripture to them. And if they really get it, they'll hold on to it. They'll latch on to it. Some kid wants to you know, play video games and say, yeah, Lord, save me. You know, I mean, come on. We're, we're, we're dealing with people's souls. But I'm telling you, children can believe in Jesus. And children can perish according to the Bible. And I don't know how many people are going to tell them that if we don't tell them that. We need to invest in children because they have a soul that needs to be saved. We don't forbid them to pray. We don't forbid them to come. I'd say this. If you've got a child that always wants to come to the altar, you just let them come to the altar. If you've got a child that that's, doesn't understand, just keeps praying and praying and asking God to save them or do this, just, 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 just don't forbid them. Just let them say what they want to say. Let God work in their heart. Let God reveal what's going on. But they can believe. They can enter the kingdom of God. They can come to Jesus. They do have a soul. And they can be lost. And they can perish. i never forget I had a... When we pastored in Romania, there was a belief among people that a child could not be saved until they got 12 years old. I don't know where that came from. But there was this one dear man and, and, and his wife, and they had, they, had, they had two daughters, and they came to church constantly. And I could see the trouble in those daughters' eyes. 
And I said something to the, the husband one day about his children. I said, are your, are your daughters saved? He said, no, they're not old enough yet. One was like 10 and the other was almost 12. And I tried to show him in the Bible what I'm showing you tonight. And when he understood that children don't automatically become lost at 12, where's that in the Bible? He got concerned about his kids. Because you know what he was telling his kids? His daughters were coming up to him and saying, Daddy, I want to get saved. Daddy, I want to get saved and then get baptized. And he says, you can't, you can't, you can't. He forbade them. You're not old enough. I tell you what, if a 12-year-old girl's not old enough to get saved, there's something wrong. They got some other kind of mental problem. And I had the joy after that seeing those girls get saved and had the joy of baptizing them. The last thing I want to give you tonight, why? Why should we invest in children? Because they can get saved. They have a soul. Because Jesus is answered them, the devil hates them, wants to destroy them. Because Jesus is displeased if we're not interested in them. The last thing I'd like to say about why we ought to invest in children is because a child's life is just beginning. And when we invest in a child's life, we're not investing in half a person. We're investing in a whole life. There's some story about some church, and they said they had, they had you know, two and a half people get saved. He said, two and a half people said we had two adults and a child. You know what they ought to have done with that? They ought to reverse that. Because it's the adults that only have half the life left. I praise God. I rejoiced with... I knew Mike was burdened for his landlord. He had talked to him on one occasion. He's a self-made man, just didn't have time for religion, didn't have time for God. He, had tried, he didn't want to talk to Mike. And when Mike told him, Preacher, I'm going to the hospital. I want, I want to give the gospel to him one more time. And he was thinking about it, but he wouldn't make a decision. He said, I'll think about that. And then when his wife, when, when the landlord's wife called Mike, told, told him that he had, he had asked Christ to save his soul, and then my, I just rejoiced. And then when I heard Monday, he went out into eternity. I said, oh, God, thank you. But listen, he only gave a day and a half to God. I think it was Billy Sunday that said, we believe in deathbed repentance. Amen. The thief on the cross got it. We believe in that. But Billy Sunday said, deathbed repentance is like burning the candle of life and blowing the smoke in the face of God. How much better is it to take a young life and give their whole life and their whole future to God? I'd say that's a good reason to invest in a child. Because you know what's an investment in? It's an investment in the future. It's investment in a whole life. 
thank God for every drunk that gets saved and every adult that gets saved. But how much baggage they bring in with them to God. And thank God for His mercy. And thank God for His grace. And thank God for His forgiveness. But oh, what a blessing to hear a testimony of a child giving his life or her life to God. And then the whole life can be lived without the baggage. I'd say it's a good reason to invest in a child. 